0: hey there welcome to the biohacker babes podcast we are your hosts i'm renee a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition what's up and i'm lauren functional
1: diagnostic nutrition practitioner and check movement specialist we're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life
0: Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 105 of the Biohacker Babes podcast. I'm Renee and I'm here with my sister Lauren today. Hello, hello. And we have a guest for you all today. We have Dr. Anna Kabeka. And we are so grateful a mutual friend of ours connected us because we've been following her work for many, many, many years. And I think you all are just going to absolutely love her as much as we do. So we talk a lot more about hormones, uh, men and women. So we talk about both genders today and how our hormones are fluctuating throughout our life, what stress is doing to all of us and our hormonal health and I really, really appreciate, um, and Lauren, you even pointed this out at the end, how she really emphasizes the basics. Right? We always say get back to the basics, the foundational things, the lifestyle factors, improving your diet before you're jumping to expensive, maybe bioidentical hormone replacement or something like that. So she just is so incredible to talk with, and so much knowledge and wisdom on everything related to health, not just hormones. But we're so grateful for the conversation we had with her today.
1: Yeah, to hear a triple board certified and best-selling author, she's just so renowned in her field, talk about oxytocin and joy and just the importance of, you know, having fun and having a pet. You're like, oh, wow, that that really is more important. And she lives it. She's just so joyous. She's so gracious. She had a smile on her face. It just felt really good to be in her presence for this hour and... I mean, she's a menopause expert. So we really think that our women need to hear this. But like you said, Renee, it's for men too. And I think it's so important that she brings men into the conversation because these hormones are not just for women. This is affecting all of us, all of us being men and women. Yes. (laughs) Children, babies. It really starts at birth. So, um, yeah. She's a wonderful resource. She has lots of great books. Check out the resources because it is endless. And we have some cool products with some discounts at the bottom that you um, will enjoy as well.
0: Absolutely. All right. Let me share with you her amazing bio. It's just, she's just so incredible. All right. So best-selling author Anna Kabeka is known nationally as the girlfriend doctor and is host of the girlfriend doctor show where she welcomes experts and guests to the show to share their insights on how women can truly thrive in body, mind, and spirit. Dr. Anna is triple board certified and a fellow of gynecology and obstetrics integrative medicine, and anti-aging and regenerative medicine. She holds special certifications in functional medicine, sexual health, and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. She lectures frequently on these topics throughout the world to large audiences. Her first two highly acclaimed books, The Hormone Fix* and Keto Green 16, are bestsellers. In addition, Dr. Anna is the creator of several popular virtual transformation programs, The Keto Green Way to Breeze Through Menopause, sexual CPR and magic menopause she offers keto green nutrition plans to online subscribers is the founder of her girlfriend Dr club and the host of the vast keto green community on Facebook a passionate health advocate for both women and men Dr Anna has appeared on numerous television shows and has been interviewed by ABC CBS and NBC sought after by various other media Dr Anna has been featured as a Women's health, nutrition, weight loss, and hormone expert in Shape Magazine, Women's World, First Magazine, InStyle, Huffington Post, Mind Body Green, and others. Forbes magazine reported on her success in creating and building a successful business around her flagship product, Jolva, an all natural over the counter cream that she developed to treat vaginal dryness and discomfort. Dr. Anna is also the creator of other top selling health products such as Mighty Maca Plus. She currently lives in Dallas, Texas with her daughters, horses, and dogs.
1: See, pets. So important. She hasn't been there. Yes. <laughs> I, another thing I really, really appreciated is that she is all about these free, I'll just use the term biohacks, because health can be expensive. But we know the lifestyle stuff is so important, and that is free, free, free to Anyone. And this is the stuff we should all be doing every single day of our lives. And she's going to talk a little bit about that. And sorry, one more thing. Her journey is so incredible. She went through early menopause. She doesn't really get into this, but you can check out her resources and learn more about her story. Went through early menopause, went on this deep dive to healing, and she actually was able to conceive later on, which I just think is miraculous. And that's such a testament to her knowledge and wisdom. So we really hope you enjoy this episode.
0: All right. Let's bring Dr. Anna on. All right. Welcome Dr. Anna Kabeca to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are so excited to have you today. How are you doing today?
2: I am great. It is great to be here with you. I always always love to talk about biohacking.
0: Yes. We our know you favorite are. favorite topic. <laughs> yeah. You are a fellow biohacker. We love it. We're going to talk about some of the biohacking, I guess, tools that you have up your sleeve for hormone health today. But before we get into that, um, you know, just to let everyone know, you know, we've been following your work for several years and one of our good friends connected us and we're so grateful for that. And. You know, this year we've talked a lot about women's health and hormones. We were just talking about this before we hit record. You know, we've talked a lot about different age ranges, what's going on with our hormones, but we haven't really talked too much about what's going on with women through the menopause and postmenopausal, perimenopausal journey, and, you know, how we can support them. And you are obviously a hormone expert. So that's why we have you here today. We appreciate you always want to address the lifestyle factors first. And, You know, in today's age, women are under so much stress—not just with what's going on in 2021, but just women in general—we're taking on way more than we were maybe 50, 100, however many years ago. So, for women that are dealing with all this stress and want to impact their hormonal health, where do we begin?
2: That's a great question, and it really does start with the small things, right? Sometimes it starts with less, not more, right? And I know I'm a busy mom, run a business, single mom, you know, have uh, four daughters and, you know, a big, you know, two offices and now I'm, you know, East coast and, and central United States so it's a lot right there's a lot of hats that we wear as women let you know especially especially as moms and I think you know especially when our we're going through perimenopause and menopause and maybe we have daughters at home that are going through puberty daughters or sons that are going through puberty at the same time I think it's just a cruel intersection of nature <laughs> that, when that happens. But it, it's yeah. so critical. These, like, at just as as natural as puberty is, menopause is natural. It's natural and mandatory, but suffering is optional. And it's so important for women to be empowered. So I will say, like, you know, a big mantra that I had to learn was that if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And I, I say that to this day, and it is something I started saying a decade ago, and I still say that. Is it a hell yes? okay, then it's a hell no, right? <laughs> and I, it's a yeah. really important thing for us as women to know, because we are capable of doing many things. And the more capable we are, the more directions we can get pulled in. And that's going to add to our stress and our disconnect from our presence, which is so important, especially as we're transitioning through perimenopause and menopause. and And this is... Why I say this, because I often ask women, "Well, how do you really feel? Like, you know and, and sometimes that's a really hard question to answer. You know, I don't even know how I feel. I'm just so used to saying I'm good. I'm just so used to saying I'm good. So used to covering up. I'm so used to powering through that, you know, like, really, how do I feel? What's my red dot, so to speak, right? Like, what's coming up in me? And and that's a really important part of this transition. I was, you know, it's a beautiful word. Menopause is a terrible word anyway, but in Japan, they don't use the word menopause. They use konenki to represent this transition into our second spring. And so like, we want to breeze through menopause into our second spring. And for some women, it's starting as early as their their thirties. And for me, I was menopausal. Had premature menopause at 39 had early ovarian failure, and I was diagnosed with infertility, having failed the highest doses of fertility treatments, and was told I would never be able to have another child. This part of my story took me on a journey around the world looking for answers, and as a result, reversed early menopause, naturally conceived at 41, and delivered a beautiful baby girl. So, and she's now 13, and I'm 55 this month, and. So it's, it's quite, it is quite a journey. So, and it's something I really learned to empower when my Emory's doctor, you know, I went to Emory university. So when my doctor's bag was empty, I had to, I had to find other tools to help me like biohacking my own life and then incorporating that into the lives of my patients again and again and again.
1: Wow. That is incredible. Congratulations that uh, I want all of your answers and secrets right now. So where do we even begin for someone that's older, busy, you know, we're like saying yes to way too many things. Is there one overreaching aspect that really kind of hit it home for you?
2: Yeah. Well, I think that it's, you know, there's a few things that really make a difference and understanding too, that it's 90% lifestyle and nutrition. It's 90% lifestyle and nutrition. And what I can write on a prescription pad or, or do with a surgical knife is less than 10% of that. It's probably 1% of that, but, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm still an egotistical physician and I want to claim 10%, right? (laughs) And and I I (laughs) wish it was all about the hormones. Like in in my book, The Hormone Fix, I say it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. And so I would say the first, like first steps is, is, you know, really getting in tune with, with your, with your, with your own sense of, Um, how you feel, like touching base with how you feel. Because so many patients will tell me when we work them through what, you know, my platform, my programs is that, you know, I hear, I didn't know how bad I was feeling till I started feeling good again. I'm sure you guys hear that all the time. Mm
1: -hmm. I didn't
2: know how bad I was feeling till I started feeling good again. And like, what a whole nother lease on life. And that is so true. And I think no truer at any time in our lives than this time in perimenopause and menopause because we are so busy. So what I've established is what I call my keto green way, the nutrition and lifestyle plans that's essential to gaining control over our hormones, gaining control and being at home in our body again. And so with this, we balance, like, you know, as a gynecologist, I learned all about the reproductive hormones, right? Progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, even DHEA. But what it really comes to is in in healing my own body from menopause and perimenopause and second menopause, you know, I mean, in dealing, going through this myself and then, you know, being side by side as a solar practitioner with patients that went through, it's this keto green way because I want people, and and I'll go through some really key components of that, but I won't. Our listeners to understand there is, you know, there's this natural transition that we go through with perimenopause and menopause. DHEA levels for both men and women start to plummet in our, you know, mid to low 20s. They start to decrease, mid to high 20s, they start to decrease. And then progesterone in our mid-30s starts to decline. And we start to see these neuroendocrine symptoms that bring a patient into a gynecologist, such as breakthrough bleeding, irregular regular cycles, worsening PMS, premenstrual syndrome, mood swings, irritability, insomnia, anxiety, depression, you know, loss of sex drive. Again, all of that with the gynecologic symptoms, you know, maybe more painful menstrual cycles, or vaginal dryness, loss of orgasm. These gynecological symptoms are coming up too at the same time. And so, which is, this is a key component of this transition. But those symptoms that we associate, like women will go into a gynecologist, they're not just hormonal symptoms, they're neurologic symptoms. And so when I hit a second menopause at 48, I experienced what many of my patients would come in telling me. This isn't something I studied in my textbooks. So I experienced the, you know, the brain fog, the memory loss. I was like, whoa, wait, where did my perfect, near perfect memory go? I mean, you know, what's my kids' names again? I mean, (laughs) what is it, right? And not just that, it was Overreacting to things, not responding in a way that's innate to me, calm, cool, collected. No, overreacting. And uh, my patient said it really well when she described her uh, mood swings as, man, this monster in me just comes out. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I met her.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> who is that? Yeah.
2: Who is that person? And and then I always tell clients, if you only hate your husband two weeks of the month. Right, it's most likely your hormones,
0: (laughs) not necessarily
2: your husband. You've got to chart that. When am I angry at my husband? I mean, seriously, chart it. It's so true. (laughs) Yeah, it is so true. And uh, oh my god, I can tell you so many stories about that. It's so funny, you know. And and so these neuroendocrine problems are happening. And so this is because our brain will use glucose for fuel, right? And this was such an aha moment. This hasn't been put together. It hasn't really shown in the literature to date. To date, the science is not out there well enough for us to really grasp it in a broad way or to be teaching it in our med schools to our young doctors, but our brain uses glucose for fuel primarily. And in the absence of, of levels of circulating glucose nutritionally, we will switch to using fat burning, switch to using ketones for fuel. The use of glucose for fuel in the brain is estrogen-dependent, hormonally dependent, probably progesterone. When we look at the drop-off in glucose utilization, it really follows the drop-off in progesterone, in progesterone decline as we age. So, And with this drop-off in glucose utilization for the brain, so that fuel for the brain, we see an increase in all these neuroendocrine symptoms. The same time in the perimenopause. So it's really showing this re- amazing correlation. Well, the beautiful aspect is that ketone use in the brain is not hormone dependent. You know, we, it completely bypasses the gluconeogenesis completely. We just don't need it. We go right to using ketones in our brain. So what happens? Like our mind is lit up. And so with me, and this is, again, because I experienced it, I went to, I needed to understand why. So when I had the brain fog, the second menopause at 48, you know, the mood swings, the irritability, like burnout, complete burnout from post-traumatic stress for me, for many of us that have gone through a pandemic, right? Chronic everyday stress, Mm -hmm. right? There leads to burnout, leads to this disconnect and leads to this these you know worsening symptoms of 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 you know of of mood swings irritability all these perimenopausal symptoms as well because we deplete our our very our key neuroendocrine hormone progesterone and so that protective hormone so we see this decline and so when i was going through this at 48 all that brain fog and everything. And I switched to going keto green, like discovering using the alkaline foods that we all love in functional medicine, the importance of our plant foods and our alkaline foods and our herbs and our detoxifiers, all of that with a ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting to get into ketosis and actually test to make sure your urine pH is, in, is alkaline and you're, you have urinary ketones to actually test that when I got into that state, it was like my brain was back. My memory was back. I was clear as a bell. I would, you know, I mean, it, and, and not only like did I have all that, you know, all those symptoms really improved, but I also felt back at home in my body. I felt at home and I was able to respond and not overreact. And and that's the beauty of it. So that's why I say this keto green. So getting into this keto alkaline or keto green state is critically important for us during perimenopause, but it's not just a good idea. It really is mandatory to shift from glucose to ketones at least a majority of the time because we have to bypass that essentially neurologic starvation that our brain is experiencing. Yeah, I so love interesting.
0: That.
1: I think it's, it's interesting because there's such a war out there between keto and the plant-based movement. It's like, you can only be carnivore, you can only be plant-based, but you're really suggesting a combination of both while managing glucose. I think that is so powerful. And I'm like right there with you. I, I, I love this so much.
2: Uh, exactly. And I think, again, it's a time of life, right? It's this time of life, it's this transition. And putting these two worlds together is still not done in the scientific literature. We've been running studies, green yeah. plans, but mm. because I I stumbled ap- across this article that was published in 2015, that showed the gluconeogenesis in the brain, the glucose utilization in the brain dropping off and the increase in neuroendocrine symptoms. That is just, that was so that was such an aha moment for me. And that's that women need to do keto, but we have to do it in a healthy way. We have to do it in a healthier way than men have to, because men have 10 times as much testosterone and anabolic steroid that keeps their muscles, keeps them strong and also converts to estrogen a lot more. So they'll experience andropause, the declining hormone, testosterone, DHA, progesterone, but They'll experience it a lot slower than we will. And they won't have the neurologic side effects that women do, but they still experience Alzheimer's. Just women experience it twice as much as much. And I think this is that start, you know, that glucose factor. We're naturally becoming more insulin resistant as we age. So getting into ketosis on a regular basis will shift that to become more insulin sensitive, and we'll be able to use the glucose we have a lot better. We're not going to have. The cravings for more and more sugar, more and more carbs, more and more fruit juices that so many of women, so many women, menopausal and beyond, think is a good idea. It's it's really not. It's still sugar. So we have to switch and shift into this state so that we can have the benefits of the insulin sensitivity and we can improve the results of our, of our, certainly of all our key biomarkers. And then at the same time, that alkalinity component is managing cortisol. It's another way to look at cortisol because cortisol is the most acidifying hormone in our body and it is made from progesterone. So the more stress we have, the more we deplete progesterone, the more we experience these neurologic symptoms and that early menopause. So you can see it's like this, this like, ah, oh, I can get into this nasty cycle.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions. The fasting piece, if I want to start there. So 16 hours a day, is that for later in life? I mean, if we're for women that are still menstruating, is that too long of a fast? At what point do we increase the fasting window?
2: Yeah. So according to research, this is when I, I wrote my book, The Hormone Fix. We started at a 13 hour, and that's kind of like my minimum. Because according to a study published in the Journal of American Medical Association in 2016, it looked at women with breast cancer. And the study showed that women who had an increased fasting interval of 13 hours between dinner and breakfast, or at least 12.5 between dinner and breakfast, had a significantly decreased risk of recurrent cancer. And I think that should have been like headline news, right? Okay, So what do breast cancer people need? They don't yeah. need to lose their ovaries. They need to fast, extend get into the like I would say, get keto green. You know I mean, that's what they need to do. We need to become insulin, really insulin sensitive. and it's not even being monitored. it's It's really mm-hmm. crazy to you know that we that we're not managing our cancer patients better. And then again, shouting out to every woman to decrease your risk of cancer. Improve your vitamin D, increase insulin sensitivity, get an alkaline urine pH, manage stress, manage cortisol. So that's a really important piece. So in Keto Green 16, my second book, we push it to 16 hours, and then we do an extended three-day, you know, three-day fast, 72-hour fast as an option at the end. And I think the more we practice this fasting. And at least 13 to 16 hours on a regular basis. And I typically do one meal a day on Sunday, like part of my religious fasting and and spiritual practice. And, you know, occasionally I'll do three, four, five, you know, day fast. I mean, Couple times, a few times a year, depending, and then regularly 13 to 16 hour fasting. And the earlier we eat dinner for women, the better. I mean, for men too. But a, a, research showed that if you eat the same meal at 5 p.m. compared to 7 p.m., your body will increase its insulin secretion by 30 to 70%. In other words, everything you ate is going right into storage mode versus being burned off if you eat it earlier. I mean, it makes sense, right?
0: Yeah. This is like and I we need yes. to
2: practice medicine that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I have to say personally, I ate dinner last night way too late. <laughs> I like to eat dinner and finish by 6 PM. We had friends over last night and they tend to eat a little bit later. We had dinner at eight o'clock. I slept horrifically. <laughs> I mean, that's just the sleep yeah. impact, but I'm sure my insulin was like going crazy. All these other things. I'm like, I just can't eat that late. And I think yeah, most well, Americans too. Sleep is do. the first
1: sign it's not working.
0: Yeah, I could feel my body was like overheating. My heart rate was elevated just yeah. from shifting my meal. You know, two hours later. So eat early. So, eat so how do we
1: ad- advise women? Like a lot of my clients are on board with that early dinner time, but they say, "Oh, well, my husband needs to eat later. I have to feed the kids." Like, how do we shift the schedule and get the whole family on board? Because I find that's one of the biggest factors here in, in preventing that per- progress, I guess, because it's the whole family, like your community, your friends have to all kind of be on board. Otherwise it's really isolating.
2: Yeah, it's hard. And I kind of like say, you know, like there's a percentage of the time, if you can do it a, a percentage of the time, if we can just increase it maybe three three nights a week, we move it up for now. And, and I know because I have a daughter who's a barrel racer right? She goes to her, you know, we I take her to the ranch. And so I was like, then we were eating at six, seven o'clock, coming home at night, eating, you know, in the car on the way home. You know, let me tell you, sometimes it's just like that, right? I'm Terrible. Sure. <laughs> so I started making like at lunch. I just make make the dinner at lunch at my lunchtime here. I'm working at home. So it's a little easier for me, or you could do it the night before. And I would take her lunch her dinner to school and she would eat, you know, and we would eat prior to riding the horses. And so like, kind of like before her workout, essentially. So we did, we did that and that really made a big shift and we're not hangry coming home and, you know, just finding whatever is convenient. And I think that was a really big shift for us. And when I grew up, we ate dinner at, uh, my dad worked two jobs growing up. So he would come home from his first job, went to work at 6 a.m., came home at 3.30. When dad came home every day at 3 30. And then he would take a nap from like four to four fifteen, go to his second job at four thirty. So I mean, every, you know, that was kind of we ate really early, straight off, you know, straight home from school. We ate. And I think that's something like we we need to look at, you know, and then maybe we have that Friday night late dinner once in a while when our performance on Saturday is not. So, you know, maybe it's like, because it's true, it interrupts (laughs) your sleep, you will not sleep as well, especially if we add a, a glass or two of wine with that right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So yeah. I think, I think having that food before the activity, you know, is, it's a nice thing if they're you know, it depends on the child too, but a smoothie, a smoothie in the evening, then they're not going to be so full and hungry and they don't have to eat, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that's a really important thing. And that the lunches we pack for our children are very healthy, healthy fats, high quality protein, low in carbs, so that they're not having those cravings or needs to feel for snacking. And I have a, you know, my youngest, my older uh, daughters, 22, 25, and 32 are on board with keto green. They're very good at doing ones of uh, trying it the vegan vegetarian way. So most of the time. And um, so they're, they're really coming around with that. And then my 13 year old, it's often like, you know, okay, it's that's, smoothie, that smoothie for breakfast, or it's the hard boiled eggs and, you know, some avocado in the morning. That might be what she gets, or it's just like, I'm packed her, I packed her a really good lunch and she'll have that and we'll have the light dinner. So it took a little bit to convert from often what kids are accustomed to like cereal, bagels, you know, <laughs> uh, Nutella on <laughs> all toast, white <laughs> all that stuff, you know, and again, the majority of the time. So I'm not hundred, I'm not hundred yeah. percent. But the majority of the time, and she's a healthy, really healthy kid. I think if we infill these things, then it's going to be better. And and same thing for the guys on board. Look, you don't need much carbs at night. Eating later is going to age you faster. It's going to affect your testosterone. You may increase insulin resistance, which is going to increase testosterone conversion to estrogen, which is going to give you man boobs. So we don't want that. Mm -mm. So let's, let's, you know... Let's let's work on that because for autophagy for men it's equally as important, right? As autophagy, getting into that state of fat burning, yeah. and cell you know cell auto cleanup, right? Our intelligent right. honoring the intelligent design of our body that was is designed to have periods of fasting. It is commercial you know marketing that created cereals for breakfast, sandwiches for lunch, bread with dinner, and three meals a day. Snacking all day. <laughs> And, oh, yeah. and no snacking. Can we just like all agree that snacking is the idea? We are on board with that.
0: hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and It's just easier to not have to worry about snacks. So even if you're just doing it to relieve some stress, yeah. With planning. Planning. So Running around
1: we're doing, it's like Renee and I used to always pack our bags with snacks. Like we're going to be out. We need a snack in case. It's like, no, just don't put a snack in your bag. You're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But
2: have yeah. your water, right? Have your yeah. water with you so that you have your hydrated. And I think just even letting people know hunger is sometimes a symptom of thirst and yeah. and stress, right? Because then mm-hmm. your stress, cortisol is up, insulin goes up, blood sugar goes down. So making sure you get enough healthy fat and protein at your meals. So you're not having these blood sugar, these, you know, these, uh, blood sugar drops and these cravings, you know, willpower right. is physiologic. So we can empower our willpower through keeping glucose really nice and nice and stable.
1: Yeah. It's great so advice. We've experimented a lot with CGMs and managing glucose. Uh, and I, I found it. that. I don't always feel when my glucose is high. So I assume most people are like that. So we really love the quantification, the feedback. I know you're a huge advocate for a test, don't guess. Like, what are some of the testing measures we can do to get that feedback, especially for men that are like, I can handle that? Like, what what are these numbers? What's the, the feedback so that we can, you know, better inform these decisions or or maybe just be more compliant?
2: Yeah. No, and I think I think testing and what watching these biomarkers, looking at these numbers. There are four key blood tests that I'll mention, but also, you know, again, it, The reproductive hormone testing that comes, you know, that comes after, but I mean, always love to stabilize like a woman through perimenopause. I have her on, on progesterone and pregnenolone cream. Like I will use that progesterone, pregnenolone cream. It is game changing. I created one, I call it balance. And it's a combination with some tripeptide for like, you know, if you're going to use something on your skin, let it do some skin tightening. Why not? Right. Yeah. So all that. You know, adding that into our regimen, it's crucial. And And I say progesterone, you know, is so important. I know you guys talk about this, but progesterone as a hormone is so important. And it's important for our brain. It's important for our bones. It's important and protective. And it should not be confused with synthetic progestins that are in birth controls. Pills and most of the most of the hormone replacement that we see. So, but bioidentical progesterone is is really good whether we have a uterus or we don't have a uterus. Many women are told if they've had a hysterectomy they don't need it. You absolutely need it as long as you have a brain. You absolutely need it, and it will help us get a better night's sleep. And so, mm-hmm. and for men too, I'll use a little balance cream on their temples at night or um, upper chest. And that will also help them get a better night's sleep, which is, again, if we can get a good night's sleep, that's halfway, we're halfway there in our, you know, in our regenerative medicine and our body, helping our body heal itself. So that's a big thing. So I, what, you know, the most simple thing that costs pennies a day is that I tell, I have my clients, tens of thousands of, of clients that are working, through my keto green plan is to check urine pH and check ketones because it's so eye opening to see that we can be eating vegan greens all day and still be very acidic because we're stressed. We have post traumatic stress and we don't even realize it at the time. And so, checking urine pH, because again, cortisol creates an acidic urine. And the opposite hormone to cortisol. So when cortisol is high, our hormone of connection, love and bonding is really low. And that's oxytocin, which is, you guys have read my book. So the most powerful hormone in our body, oxytocin is the most powerful hormone in our body. It's also the most alkalinizing hormone. So when women are doing their diet right and are really feeling stressed and then realize oh my gosh, I just, I went out with friends last night. We had fun. We laughed. And then they wake up and their urine pH is alkaline for the first time in maybe forever. And they're like, oh my gosh, I just made this really, you know, that's like so eye-opening for them. Their, Their mindset affects their physiology. And we know this in science, but the practical aspect of Your interaction is with your lifestyle, your environment, and how that's actually really affecting your physiology. It's so powerful. That's how we see these vegetarians and you know very green individuals that are, you know, breast cancer or autoimmune disease. This effects of stress creates this gateway for disease pathways. And so getting that under control. And then of course, you know, ketones, measuring ketones. And and most of us will see urinary ketones for, for two months of a strict ketogenic diet. We won't lose being able to test our urine ketones. So you can also check blood ketones and breath ketones. There's other ways, but it's simple and very inexpensive to get, you know, ketone urine dipsticks. And I created ones with the ketone strip and the urine pH and the you know pH strip on the same so you're just testing with one strip. Because so when I started, I had two different strips in my bathroom, all over the place. And <laughs> it was just a mess. So yeah. making it simple is important. So, That's and great. I actually lectured at uh, KetoCon a couple of years back and I asked the audience, how many of you are doing keto? And the 90% of the audience raised their hand. And so, said, well, how many of you have tested ketones? Less than 10% of the audience. Wow. Raised their hand. Wow. That's shocking. are <laughs> If you're not testing, you're guessing, right? And that's Mm -hmm. why oftentimes women are doing keto, but they're not feeling good. They're gaining weight and... You know, I mean, this is part of the process. Maybe what we're eating is converting, you know, if we're eating too much protein, it'll convert to glucose. And so we'll be bumped out of ketosis. But also with continuous glucose monitoring, I think everyone should slap one of those on their arms for at least a couple months consecutively. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. how am I interreacting relating to my, phys- you know, in my environment? And I think a couple eye-opening things that I found was that when I, when I started with my continuous blood glucose monitor, well, first, when checking urine pH and ketones, I could wake up in ketosis and urinary pH would be nice and alkaline, have my black coffee in the morning, my espresso, and, um, you know, that shouldn't interrupt ketosis. That shouldn't interrupt William. it's acidic. So that could affect my pH. And so then I go from having ketones and an alkaline urine pH to no ketones and acidic pH. And I was like, okay, I get the acidity, but what happened to my ketones? Like I just have black coffee. Well, the continuous glucose monitor, I write about this in keto green 16. It was like, oh my gosh. So the continuous glucose monitor, when I would drink black coffee, my blood sugar would go up 20, at least 20 points. On black coffee, no cream, no MC, I mean, just black coffee. Mm-hmm. And those of us with adrenal issues, adrenal fatigue, high stress, I mean, that caffeine it puts pressure on our adrenals, increases cortisol and increases glucose and that quickly. And then I lectured, I was lecturing for a conference, fasting and my blood glucose went up 50 to 70 points, 50 wow. to 70 points. Just because I was so freaking nervous. That's the effect of stress enough to kick you out of ketosis, enough to put you in a, you know, in this hyperglycemic state. And then after that, boom, your blood sugar will come right down. You'll be hungry, starving, stress eating. You're like, why is this happening? It's so cool to figure that stuff out.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's really empowering that you can test on your own. And I love the saying, test, don't guess, because you're right. You could be eating this ketogenic diet And feel horrible because you're actually never even in ketosis, but you don't know if you're not testing. And then then the urine,
1: but you're like, it didn't
0: work. It didn't work. (laughs) And then the urine testing for pH, I really appreciate you talking about this because I think most people, most practitioners are not doing it. They're not talking about it. Um, I trained with Dr. Bob Marshall um, down in Austin, Texas, like over a decade ago, and he was huge on pH. And he said, if you can keep your urine pH within this range, first morning urine, you will never get sick. That's how strongly he it. felt about that. He said, you'll never get sick, I agree. Never get cancer or anything. So I'm curious, what is your range for this well, urine
2: pH? I Yeah. I always, I was like the morning urine pH to be seven or higher, okay. seven or higher. So slightly alkaline and research has shown an alkaline, more alkaline urine pH is associated with less cardiovascular disease, less inflammation, less metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, heart disease, all that stuff. And cancer and autoimmune issues. So, you know, in and of itself, and then just experiencing that myself, and then taking it to, you know, my uh, patients, and then from there, taking it to, you know, thousands of women in my magic menopause program, tens of thousands in my keto green community. We, you know, see they're like, okay, you know, first I don't like testing urine pH and ketones, but it tells me so much now they love it. They're so, and it feels like, yeah. you know, because the ketones will turn red. Or when you're in ketosis and the alkalinity will turn green, a higher pH over seven, it's more alkaline green. And so it feels I always say it feels like Christmas. It's it's just a fun, <laughs> a fun thing to figure out. And it does, yeah. it feels better. It feels better. And that's what I want people to know. And again, it's not just about what we eat, thoughts, you know, and, and our stress. And maybe it's about when we eat, or maybe it's about who we're eating with, right? So <laughs> it can be yeah. all of those things.
0: Yeah. So it, with cortisol, how does that play into the role of oxytocin? How do so, those which work so, together?
2: Yeah. So they're pretty much like, they they will seesaw each other. Cortisol goes up, oxytocin goes down. When oxytocin or love bonding hormone goes up, cortisol goes down. But what I I understand now, which because I experienced it, when cortisol is up for a long time, like with post-traumatic stress or chronic everyday stress, and you're like, you know, constantly pouring out cortisol, the paraventricular nucleus in the brain will shut down that suppression. It's like, Hey, cortisol, you are frying out the nervous system enough, right? It's a natural steroid hormone. It's catabolic. It's breaking us down and it is going, you're going, your body's going to suppress it. Cause at the same time, it's also then when cortisol is up, oxytocin is down. And when the, when cortisol is then suppressed, oxytocin is also suppressed. So you're in this very dangerous state of cortisol being low and oxytocin being low. And this is when it feels like depression, isolation, alone, being alone, sad, deep, you know, unrelenting grief. And it's that it manifests like, you know, no longer wanting to go out, no longer love your work they used to love going to no longer you know logically I love my kids I love my spouse I don't feel love for them you know and people have quit their jobs that they loved for so long they feel burnt out right you go into a restaurant you see people you know and grew up with and you're like I'm pretending I don't see anyone right just feeling that sense of withdrawal and isolation that's the state and that's that's what's so dangerous and it leads to I mean it I mean, it's definitely a physiology of divorce, a physiology of depression and suicide. It certainly is. And so really important to bring oxytocin back up, continue a daily practice that increases oxytocin, like gratitude journaling, like play, you know, having fun, of course, you know, sexual intimacy things you do that you enjoy that bring you pleasure is going to help with oxytocin as you check. Cause again, it's an alkalinizing hormone you can check your urine pH and it will get more alkaline to the more fun you're having in your life. And it's really, it's, and when you're feeling like that, when your cortisol is low and oxytocin is low, when you're in this burnout state, I mean, you don't even know where to start. Right? So often it starts just like starting that morning with uh, you know, positive gratitude, you know, what do I love? Who do I love? Where have I seen love? And and just starting to focus on that, that especially that gratitude piece. And it just starts from there. And, and that's where it makes a difference. And we know with longevity, you know, healthy marriages, higher levels of oxytocin, longer life, having a pet. That's really important. Having a purpose, a purpose-driven life that brings you joy, giving and helping others is a huge way to boost your oxytocin and decrease cortisol. So that's, I would say, that's why, you know, they say, according to research, 93% of diets fail because it's not just about what we eat. So this concept of the keto green way that I bring in, it's the intermittent fasting. It's low carbs, good plant-based nutrition to complement the healthy ketogenic foods with the fasting lifestyle with the you know oxytocin boosting activities with hydration and with testing not guessing so ph and ketones that urinary testing pennies a day they can get keto ph urine test strips and 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 know and then the four biomarkers that we see improve as we followed clients through this diet and lifestyle that I think are really valuable. Of course, I want the full panel. I love the Dutch test. I love looking at Hormone Labs. I always say, if you've got a body fluid, I'm going to check it because (laughs) it's going (laughs) to tell us something Mm -hmm. from saliva to stool to urine to blood to serum, all of it.
1: Hey, biohackers, a brief interruption to talk to you about the incredible benefits of red light therapy. You may have noticed that Renee and I post a lot of photos and videos that are overwhelmingly red in the background. That is because we are true believers in the healing powers of the visible light spectrum and usually that is red light, but there are so many colors that we can benefit from. Simply standing in front of light can activate your body's many systems to work more optimally for better overall health. Light therapy, also called photobiomodulation, is beneficial to metabolism. It can help with healthy weight maintenance. Researchers actually believe that light therapy affects cells that store fat by reducing specific proteins associated with glucose intolerance, insulin resistance, and high triglyceride levels. It's excellent for pain reduction and supporting the inflammatory process and often associated poor circulation. There are certain light waves that can reverse the effects of aging on our skin, as well as heal and repair other areas of our body, such as our brain, our muscles, our gut, even wounds and injuries. I have personally found that healing from challenging workouts or even acute injuries from performing is much faster and much more efficient with red light. Light therapy is truly helpful for so many conditions ranging from weekend warriors with back tightness to those suffering from autoimmune diseases or those suffering from depression. The benefits really are endless. We had owner and founder of Light Path LED, Scott Kennedy, on the Biohacker Babes podcast. And my biggest takeaway from that interview, he said, light therapy only does one thing, but it does it very, very well. It focuses on the cells, the mitochondria, and helps the cells to create more energy that our body needs to thrive every day. Essentially, we're kickstarting the process of healing. Everything is going to work better with this light exposure. Renee and I have found tremendous benefit in our daily lives and in our quest for energy optimization. So we feel very passionate about sharing this amazing device with you. If you want to learn more, check out our interview with Scott in season two, episode 66, and then head over to Lightpath LED to take advantage of our 10% off discount with code BIOHACKERBAIDS. Again, that's lightpathled.com. The code is biohackerbabes. That will save you 10%. He has so many amazing devices. My personal favorite, and the one I'm currently using, is the RED Plus Near Infrared Tabletop Device. The best part, Scott is his own best customer service. When you purchase a device, he is going to call you personally and explain everything that you need to know from setup all the way to finish to make sure that you are having the best experience possible. We hope that you can bring red light into your home as well and experience these amazing benefits. And you too can light up your home with red light. (laughs) Let's
2: get back to the show. And so, but there's four key markers that people should be monitoring as they go through life and they can check initially every three months till we start to see them really improve and get optimal and then go to two or three times a year or two, one or two times a year checking. But the four key markers, both men and women should know, like, you know, your pant size, like, you know, your dress size, like, you know, your weight is the first is your vitamin D 25 hydroxy. And I was just with a friend the other day here, she lives in Highland Park, um, was diagnosed with breast cancer uh, five years ago. And is. It- is under uh plan to have her ovaries removed. She's 47 years old. God bless her. Right. And struggling, 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 struggling. Haven't hasn't been able to have sex with her husband due to dryness and the anti-estrogen for two years. And so I said, well, what's your vitamin D levels? like, well, I don't know. I'm like, wait, okay, hold on. That's a big red flag. I mean, <clears> it needs to be optimal. It needs to be like, I say 50 to 80, but my breast cancer patients or cancer patients. I want it in that. A. I want the serum vitamin D, 25-hydroxy to be in the 80 range. So everyone needs to know their vitamin D level on a regular basis, and we really want it optimized. Again, we get more than vitamin D from the sun, but we want to get as much of that sunlight as possible too. And so that's vitamin D. And then the second one that's really important that we need to know is hemoglobin A1C. And that is, again, especially in cancer patients, we we want to know, but every one of us, we need to know your hemoglobin A1C. I had a male patient a, a few years ago was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And I, I, and as he said, well, you know, the doctor said I was doing fine. I So well, let me look at your labs. His hemoglobin A1C was six. And the doctor said, yeah, that's kind of, that's borderline diabetic. I'm like, oh my God, at 5.4, it was borderline diabetic. Yeah, so like, you know, I've like been high. watching it go up. I mean, yeah. So we want that bite of hemoglobin A1C less than 5.3 you know, close to five. And I've been up to five, like before I knew this in my early forties, right. I was at five, 5.7 diabetes on both sides of my family, heart disease on both sides of my family. Mine was 5.7. It's now 4.8 and I'm 55. So Eddie, at, at any age we can improve it. And I've I've had a client who's hemoglobin A1C, a physician, anti-aging brilliant physician, her hemoglobin A1C was 6.0 and. In in two months, it went down to 5.4 doing keto green. I mean, that's huge. Wow. We don't do that with meds. I mean, you can't no. get those results yeah. with meds. So the hemoglobin A1C is the second one. And the third is DHEAS, the adrenal hormone, because again, mm-hmm. our, you know, for both men and women, the DHEAS is really important. Not to be normal. I want it over 150 to 250 in women. I want it 200 to 300 in men, DHEA because I'm just looking at blood. If I'm looking in saliva, I'm just looking at DHEA. But that gives me an idea. And because I know how it's affected by stress, because I had post-traumatic stress, my DHEAS, which should have been in the 200s and 300s uh, post-trauma, was in the teens. I mean, one time I got it up to 34, I mean, doing Wilson's protocol, all these things that are so complicated four or five times a day that you really work on. And I couldn't get it past 34. And so with like everything I've learned and, and then I created a supplement that helped with adrenals, you know, I use my Mighty Maca Plus, which is actually what I'm drinking right now. So um, here in my nice. hot Texas <laughs> apartment. So my uh, Mighty Maca Plus, which has maca, which is an adrenal adaptogen and 30 other superfoods, it went up to, like, I, I checked it after formulating this for, for myself and my family and my patients, and my DHEAS had gone up to 200. And I said, oh my God, I mean, was, was this it? So I did a study with clients and dHs in clients taking the supplement will go up 70 70- to 200% in two months, if you're doing two to four scoops a day. So that's huge. I mean, we don't get those results with with so many other things. So, And it's important, again, but there's never just a pill, a potion, or a product, right? We have to do the lifestyle with it. So I'll emphasize that. And now the fourth one is HSCRP, the highly sensitive C-reactive protein. And I say this because I had a patient who came to my medical practice and she was a 57-year-old woman who'd been to four other physicians by the time she came to see me. And she was just feeling exhausted. She'd been to our internist. She'd been to her cardiologist. She'd been to her family physician. And then she's just like, you know, Dr. Ann, I just got to get my pap smear done. And I'm, ex- I'm like, man, you look terrible. I'm like, I'm thinking that to myself. I'm like, what's going on? And she's told me all these symptoms. Well, let me do some additional labs on you. And I did the HSCRP and my routine labs. I did hormones and everything else, but I did the HSCRP and that, that should be less, should be one HSCRP, the highly, not regular CRP, cause that's not going to show up high until you're really, really sick. But the highly sensitive or cardio CRP It should be one, definitely less than three. Hers was 117. So, probably was creeping up for years, right? Gosh. Creeping up for years. So, I was like, oh, man, I sent her to hematology. She had metastatic cancer. Metastatic cancer is terrible, oh, terrible. Gosh. She died six months later, six months later, but we could have helped wow. her 10 years earlier, right? Yeah. So, HSTRP yeah, is mm. so crazy. And my breast cancer patient, you know, who I, you know, my friend who I, I know from here, doesn't have those results. Like, we have to be doing this. We can order these ourselves. We can get these numbers. We can learn these numbers and we can follow them. My clients in my program at Magic Menopause, they run their labs and they follow them. And that is so empowering. How am I doing? Well, let's test. Let's see, is what I'm doing now better for me or not so better? Where did I fall off? Okay, let's go back to that. But we can can intervene so much earlier versus, hey, let me just take out your ovaries and, you know, I mean, please, please yeah. barbaric, barbaric take out of the organ. Yeah. I Maybe mean, sometimes we need to, uh, you know, sometimes we need to, but let's, sure. let's make sure we address the underlying issues first. And it is that,
1: physiology. crazy to me that most doctors don't measure those four markers that you just mentioned. Yeah. Like when I see labs from clients, you know, fasting glucose is usually on there. Sometimes there's HbA1c, but rarely vitamin D, um, rarely the CRP and um, DHEA.
2: Inflammation is a big factor there with sulfation. Is that correct? And how do we yeah. start to address that? Yep, exactly. So that whole phase one and phase two detoxification, supporting our detoxification pathways. So in Keto Green 16, I made sure that we included a lot of the sulfate vegetables, very low inflammatory diet. And again, the lifestyle, you know, lifestyle's 90% of it. So, or 75%, 25% for the diet, right? But the low inflammatory foods, the sulfators, methylators, glucuronidators, all those important nutrients are built in, especially for hormone, hormonal physiology and detoxification. So it's like the cruciferous vegetables, the broccoli, the cauliflower, the, you know, the, the, maca, the cabbage, those things are really, they're all in the cruciferous family, help with healthy detoxification of estrogen. Crucial, crucial. If we can do it, there's sometimes when we have small intestinal bowel overgrowth or food sensitivities, we've got to modify for a while to we heal. So we, then we can really benefit from the nutrients, but often we can substitute out the sprouts, like the broccoli sprouts, right? The herbs mm-hmm. and spices and incorporating that in. So my next book coming out um, next April it's called menu pause. <laughs> I love the name. Cool. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I, know, I just laugh every time I say it. But menu That's pause. Awesome. And it's five different menus to break us out of these plateaus, which sometimes we get into. So some very, you know, very carb restricted or very autoimmune, you know, appropriate, or you know, I mean it really it just very plant based. So five different six day menu plans to really help. Because sometimes we just need like, what's the what's the next right step? And it, it can be trial and error. You know, it can be trial and error. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah
1: that's so exciting. as women move into menopause and we see that decline, estrogen, progesterone, the testosterone is still a little bit higher. Like what do we do when those androgens are higher and we're getting those symptoms? Are there any further tests that we should be looking at? Should we just do the food first and then retest?
2: So I think this is where, because why are we getting hormonal acne, right? Why are, you know, that especially menopause, acting like, Oh God, you know, like really? I mean, you know, you're like,
1: I oh, wasn't, I done with that. In wasn't like I, teenage done with that
2: years? I mean, seriously, yeah. you know, and then like a patient come in, I've got pimples on my back, pimples on my face and I'm balding at my headline what's going on. You know, and, and those are terrifying, but often that's cortisol. Often that's cortisol. Mm-hmm. We have to adjust cortisol. Testosterone will convert to dihydrotestosterone, the more potent male androgenic hormone mm-hmm. and men, you know, too, when we are stressed cortisol is a catalyst for the 5 alpha reductase, the enzyme okay. that converts testosterone to dihydrotestosterone. So cortisol stimulates 5 alpha reductase. Now we can block that with zinc so often using increasing zinc. So you'll see, I'll I'll usually put zinc in my supplement packs and things. So 60, you know, anywhere, probably around 60 milligrams of zinc a day for for women and and men, and then monitor, you know, a follow-up with copper zinc levels and things like that in the future. But, you know, mostly it's really safe. And if you're experiencing that high cortisol, and I had androgenic balding, to hear from stress, not thyroid, but from stress. And that's where, you know, I'm like, why? And so I learned about, found that research. So it's pretty impressive. And you change that and you get beautiful, beautiful hair growth back and your skin starts healing, but the cortisol piece. And again, check your pH because your stress will show. I mean, it will show up no matter how good your diet is. If you're not managing your stress, you'll have an acidic urine. Now there's natural stresses that are good, you know, like, exercise, for instance, you're going to be acidic after exercise. Great. Let that inflammation work to, you know, remodel, improve muscle strength, bone strength, et cetera. Let that stress work and then cleanse it with some good alkalinizers. So doing things like that, the timing of things makes such a big difference, right? But if we're having fun, if we're enjoying life, we have great, healthy relationships. We're doing a work we love with passion. That's oxytocin. That trumps everything. We can have some bad habits when we've got that. So that's my opinion. Fun is healing.
0: Yeah. So there's so many natural ways, obviously, to boost oxytocin. But I'm noticing in the biohacking world, people are supplementing with oxytocin. What are your thoughts on that? Is that just like a Band-Aid or...
2: Well, it's temporary and we have to be careful, right? So I've studied oxytocin now for many, many years. Of course, I'm an obstetrician. The first experience many women get with oxytocin is when we as an OB gives them give them pitocin in labor. Pitocin is oxytocin. So we're stimulating, we're adding to our body's natural production of oxytocin. Now, uh, we used to think we were really safe with high dose oxytocin. Now research looking at oxytocin and autism uh, or pitocin high dose pitocin supplementation and autism is something to really be aware of. So, because autism is an oxytocin deficient, it's oxytocin. Oh. They can't make eye contact, very pale, disconnected, right? Don't right. Uh, relate well, socialize well, oxytocin deficiency. So I had a client, I'll give you an example. I use oxytocin um, supplementation prescription in patients for either sexual health and because of my own experience PTSD so trauma depression like my busy position coming home from running her emergency uh, her, her emergency room and being burnt out and not able you know to really feel like she can interact with her husband and kids at home like on your way home do this loss of oxytocin anywhere between 20 ius to 50 ius and we'll do this for a period of no more than you know four to six months, but when you need it, if we are doing something, just like if we're doing progesterone every day, if we're doing testosterone every day, we're going to naturally inhibit our body's own production. Men who are getting testosterone and shrinking their testicles, right? It's happening mm-hmm. with us too. We have to be aware and we have to take these breaks and our hormones and get our body to produce its hormones naturally to the best of our ability. So I also like do in this experience being burnout, having post-traumatic stress, I write about this in the hormone fix to really kind of spell it out. I'm giving you the very brief version, but because I experienced post-traumatic stress disorder, trauma, and I I love to talk about going from post-traumatic stress to post-traumatic growth. And it, it's, it's a transformative experience. And I, I hope that, you know, to help others do the same, but because I, you know, what I didn't know then, right. I just didn't know, but that, that low, that post-trauma, right. Leads to that low cortisol, that, and that low oxytocin after a while you get this disconnect. So supplementing back oxytocin can really help. But before I knew this, you know, my, My I burn out from business, I burn out from my marriage, divorced, you know, all of these things. I mean, it's just a a spiraling down experience till I, you know, one step at a time to rebuild, right? Those little steps we take on a daily basis to rebuild, restore our own health, but more importantly, the health of our, our ability to have good, loving, meaningful relationships. And it's within our power. So in, in looking at, you know, like how we replace oxytocin, I think that we can inhibit our body from making our own oxytocin, but I supplemented for myself. And then I started supplementing for patients. So this one patient that came to my office, Tracy She had um, was taking it for definitely for burnout, but also sexual. She, her, and her husband were rekindling their relationship, and so um, also for that emotional connection piece again. She'd been really burnout, high high level position at work, and all of these things. So, I'd given it to her, and she had a twenty year old son at home who she said after high school he just kind of just like like disconnected from everyone. He was a footballer, he was a football player, multiple you know, traumatic brain injuries, right. Playing football. And she said, he just didn't didn't socialize, didn't do anything. She goes, I just gave him one of my oxytocin, gave him one of my lozenges one day. She goes, Anna, he just lit up. And I said, so she brought him into my office and he, you know, I was talking to him and, and he wouldn't look at my eyes. He was very pale. You know, I had him do my oxytocin quiz or questionnaire and, you know, he failed it completely. And so what I would do to test is give an injection of oxytocin in the office, mix it with some lidocaine, 10 IU, just a little bit, very safe, mix it with some lidocaine because oxytocin burns. And he pinked up, his ears got real pink. He got a real big smile on his face, looked me in the eyes. I'm like that, he was definitely oxytocin deficient. So between wow. like, that was just, wow. that's in that case, I'll use oxytocin, but we've got to do other things. How about a pet? You know, let's really work on, you know, you know, like nutrition and doing things you love. You know, things that are fun. And then treat yeah. with osteopathic manipulation for the traumatic brain injury, craniosacral therapy. Some, you know, again, and to really work on on the side, you know, the consequences of traumatic brain injury. That was a, that's a whole nother issue that can cause very similar experiences of veterans coming back from war. No, like I had a mm-hmm. client, came back after a tour in Afghanistan. He goes, I know I love my wife. There she is breastfeeding my, our two-week-old child. I just didn't feel anything. So I filed for a divorce and he left. He mm. didn't feel anything because he couldn't. Physiology, physiologically, he couldn't connect. Mm -hmm. So, and until, and I've talked to veterans and they go from one relationship to another relationship to another, Mm -hmm. that's oxytocin seeking, right? Sex creates oxytocin. You go from one to the other, to the other. And then the novelty wears off, oxytocin and dopamine start to decrease, disconnect again, divorce after divorce, after divorce, not able to connect. So there's certain behaviors that can be very destructive in self-medicating and an oxytocin seeking way. Yeah. It's a it's low, yeah. Low So low interesting. Bath, right? it it's fascinating. If I hadn't lived it, I wouldn't know it honestly.
0: Yeah. It makes so much yeah.
1: sense. The best way to yes. learn. Where does heart rate variability fit into
2: this? Oh we my be gosh, testing? I love talking about heart rate variability.
0: <laughs> Us too.
2: Oh, <laughs> as, as,
1: good button.
2: <laughs> Oh my God, it is so important. You know, and as, as an obstetrician, we're like listening for that heart rate variability all through labor. I mean, we just, you know, come into our office, let's listen to that heartbeat. We listen as OBs. We want to make sure there's good variability and all through labor. If we see that heart rate start to, you know, that variability to start to decrease, we know that we have a very sick baby and we're going to need to get that baby out. And then the baby's out and we never listen again for heart rate variability. Wow! (laughs) you're like us and you're like, what happened to the heart rate variability? I'm like, oh my God, we need to be watching this. And so I think it's so critically important. I have some really stressed teenagers that I did heart rate variability monitoring on and they were like type A stressed, right? They were flatlined heart rate variability. I mean, that was so critical. That's like cortisol. That's like chronic, chronic cortisol. That's really mm. creating this, you know, this decrease. So what happens? Let's laugh. Let's watch a funny movie. Let's have some fun, right? Oxytocin again is going to increase heart rate variability. I love heart math. I love the work that everyone should do some, you know, heart rate variability monitoring. I'm going to do some, to have, you know, you get out of the habit of doing things. I'm like, I need to, to check that again. Or if you have a smartwatch or a, you know, aura ring. I think those yeah. are great ways to look at what is your heart rate variability? How are you doing? Because we can, again, power through. We can do so much because we're so capable. And, you know, our body could really be screaming out for attention until something like cancer or shingles gets a hold of us or, you know?
1: Yeah, that's why we yeah. left the aura ring. It's like really great feedback. And the moment feature on the aura ring, you take a little meditation and you see the change in your HRV so awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Coherence,
2: yeah. right? Connecting the mind, the heart. Yes. Right.
1: That, yeah. Heart math is so great for that. Uh, Bruce Cryer is a friend of mine. I, I just love all of that work that they've done through that program. So, so awesome. Good.
0: Yeah. No, I think no reason that everyone can't be doing HRV. Yeah. Or yeah. ring. ring. I really like the leaf device. And even with your
2: smartphone too, just being able to check if you guys can... The, you know, download an app on the smartphone and because of the light monitor, it will, you can just do something like that. Check with your kids. How are they? Let's check in. Let's check our heart rate variability. I think that's another really good, there are many free apps too to help, but definitely continuous over time, being able to track your results is even better. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Great. I love all of the advice that you give. It's free. Because so many of us have been led to believe that we have to do all these expensive things, expensive lab testing, expensive biohacks, but you just keep coming back to joy, having a pet. My life has changed since I, I got a pet. It really yeah. makes the world of a difference. So we appreciate so that they are, you're really pushing the lifestyle stuff. So awesome.
2: Well, and I learned too, being a practitioner and jumping into functional medicine and going through all the testing and believe me, I I love testing, right? But, and then all the supplements. And I went from this like, you know, really, really high level to again, breaking it down. And that's why I wrote my books, The Hormone Fix and Keto Green 16. I want people, you know, here's the quiz you can take and do it every month. Or do it every week until and watch your progress. Here, here's the daily checklist. I mean, do this and look at your progress. Think about these things that we're doing on a daily basis and and how we can make these, tra- you know, these transitions. I mean, because you know, it's nice to have all. I mean, the all the testing and all the supplements are great, but when it comes down to it, I mean, that's the ten percent. That's the ten percent. The ninety percent is what you know each of us has. That we can do, and I'm very sensitive to this because my mom passed away. She had her first heart surgery at 52, so three years younger than I am now. She had her first heart mm. surgery, diabetic in her 30s, and she passed away at 67, undergoing a second heart surgery. And so, you know, in in life and death, she's been a great teacher. But like, you know, Dad was military, working two jobs, you know, rate, you know, work all all his life. I started working at age 13, and you know, I mean, so I'm very Aware of the economy of health, and that's why, like again, as much there's so not, we can do so much. Ninety-nine percent, we can get a hundred. You know, we can feel a hundred percent better. There's so much we can do to gain control of our health, and I don't want people to keep giving it away. Women, especially, men, especially. I mean, giving away their health, giving away the power over their own body. I had a, a male patient the other day, uh, a client who uh, curbsided me, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like when you get curbsided, you're not really in a clinical yeah. consultation here. But hey, Dr. Anna, <laughs> yeah. um, will you look at these labs? I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I mean, so he's got high blood pressure, erectile dysfunction in his labs. I'm like, well, what did your doctor say about your labs? Well, he said they're normal. He goes, the testosterone's a little bit low, but they're normal. I'm like, the testosterone's way low. It was like three hundred and one or something. I'm like, oh my, that God. is terrible. And like, you have erectile dysfunction, and they, you know, I mean, uh, anyway. So, you know, I kind of hit the wall with those things. It's terrible. I'm like, well, where's they didn't do, you know, I mean, in the they didn't do a full thyroid panel. They didn't look at his sex hormone binding globulin. They didn't look. Mm. I mean, so it's just terrible. What's and yeah. that's at a that's at a big. Texas health center, right. A big, oh, yeah. you know, icon. Jeez. I'm like, and this is, this Still is the not the doing prevention. Of, no, no, no. Just yeah. waiting for them. Like, and he's suffering, he's struggling and he feels like, that should shit, be enough. you know, Yeah. yes. Yeah. Like, okay. There are things we can do. So that's why, you know, there's a whole, I put a whole men's chapter in keto green 16 too, because again, these, these things are game and guys, you know, they get results quicker than mm-hmm. We do as it. women, yeah. which really sucks. <laughs> I don't, yeah, that don't But also the answer is not just giving hormones. And that's one thing I'm yeah. I, I really very sensitive to. Hormones affect our physiology. And so we really have to be conscientious about the right balance there and empowering our body to support our hormones naturally because it's more than just, than just testosterone. It's more than just progesterone. It's more than just estrogen. And when we empower, when we empower, you know, we get our cortisol nice and low and just responsive when we need it, when oxytocin is the lead hormone of our body and we become really insulin sensitive, all our other hormones play really well together. Absolutely.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, Dr. Anna, thank you so much for all of this amazing knowledge and wisdom you've shared with everyone today. I think just to wrap things up, if we can ask you for one final piece of advice, what is one thing our listeners should start doing today right away? Oh
2: my gosh. I would I would say the first thing to do today is just say you know focus right now on what you love about yourself because sometimes that's really hard to do. (laughs) <laughs> it had really beautiful people say, "Oh my gosh, I don't love anything about myself." You know, so finding there's so much that we should each love about ourselves—that positive—and I, I interviewed Dr. Mario Martinez recently on my Instagram at the Girlfriend Doctor, and he said the healthy narcissism. It's like, oh yeah, look at these, and it, and it goes both ways. Like, look at all these beautiful people. I love being. With- Beautiful people. I'm part of this beautiful community. I'm beautiful, right? Like that healthy narcissism. It's healthy. It's sharing. It's not self centered, but it's that kind of like, you know, I love that I have great hair. I love that I'm strong. You know, I love that I can lift, you know, this amount of weight. Or, you know, I love that I have my daughters that just love me. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. focus on things that you love about yourself, about your life, and start like really just focusing on that. And focus on it on a regular basis, several times throughout the day. Let it bring smile to your face. Let it bring joy to your face. Again, because that's really, we're going to want laugh lines, not frown lines as we age. That's yeah. really important too. Yeah. So bring bring the inner, the inner, really stoke that inner joy that we have.
1: Wonderful. So
2: much power with that.
1: So we're going to send our audience to all of your resources. So you are active on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You have your own podcast called The Girlfriend Doctor. All of your books, our audience, buy them now. <laughs> so much more information then. So thank you so much for sharing some tidbits and uh, a lot more to dig into, which we're really excited about.
2: Thank you. Thank you. We covered a lot of grounds. I know it was a lot of information, but I'm here. I'm That's here great. to answer any questions and help in the future. So
1: We appreciate it so much. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us today.
0: My pleasure. And thank you to everyone at home that tuned in today. We'll see you next time.
1: Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.